Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. Uh, this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. This morning, I want to share a few things. We're, we're on, a, on a continued journey as we're kind of making our way through the theme of beloved, and, uh, and we're using some of our family of churches affirmations to kind of do that. And so in a sec, I'm going to try to jump into it as, as fast as I can and, and maybe even rearrange a few things here so that we can get you out of here uh, um, sooner than I've reached this whole sermon. All right. Um, but but here, here's what I want to say uh, before I start before I start. I don't want to say that much, but I want you to hear a lot. I, want to, I don't want to say that much, but I want you to hear a lot. I want to say some things very simply, but I also want to recognize that, that there might be some complexity to what I'm saying in terms of your own story and how you are experiencing your own story. I want you to be comforted when you come to, to church, but I don't actually want you to be that comfortable. And, and that puts me in a weird spot. Right? It's like, uh, yeah, puts me in a weird spot, tight spot, you might say. This morning, we're going to follow up on the second part of what Pastor Preston started last week, where he was talking about the, the, the fellowship of, of all believers, that we believe in the, in the fellowship of believers. And, and Preston did a great job of kind of uh, clearly pointing out that the people that Jesus invited to the table to interact and eat with him were not the likely characters that the, the people of the day would have anticipated or expected. They were, in many ways, mits, misfits. They, they were the kind of people that, that were challenging in, in so many different areas. And yet these are the people that, that Jesus called and God calls his beloved. And, and so I thought that this morning, in order to kind of kick that off, I want to remind you um, in this first part, that you are chosen by God. I want you to think about that for a second. That you are chosen. Not by accident, not by mistake, not because you did something right or because you did something wrong, but actually because the creator of the universe saw you and chose you. So I'm going to read something, and, and, and this might seem a little bit different or weird or whatever, but I really want you to grasp this. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to read uh, a little section from a favorite author of mine that kind of talks a little bit about this. And, and we'll do this little practice. So I want you to close your eyes for a sec. Everybody's coming to this room pretty busy, I bet. I'm going to ask you to take a deep breath in. Hold that for a sec. Breathe that out. that out. Now listen to this. From all eternity, long before you were born and became a part of history, 
you existed in God's heart. Long before your parents admired you or your friends acknowledged your gifts or your teachers, colleagues, and employers encouraged you, you were already chosen. The eyes of love had seen you as precious, as of infinite beauty, as of eternal value. You see, when love chooses, it chooses with perfect sensitivity for the unique beauty of the chosen one. And it chooses it without making anyone else less excluded. Amen. Henry Nouwen writes this in one of his books. It's called The Life of the Beloved. And it is interesting because he kind of goes on to talk about this spiritual mystery that all who are chosen by God and that in that choosing, no one else is rejected. It's an interesting kind of a perspective. You think, you, you think often, right, because many of us have been built and made to, to compete with each other, right, and that we've all actually probably stood in a line somewhere, right? We all went to school, many of us in the same age demographic when they used to actually, you know, pick out people out of the line, you know, maybe you were chosen because you were the best or you weren't chosen because you weren't, you didn't have the right skill set for whatever game was being played. Maybe you weren't chosen because you weren't as popular, right? And there is this sense then that we take this same cho chosenness into our faith and our own faith journey and it's like there is a sense sometimes that if, that if you're chosen that that means actually somebody else isn't chosen and yet the way that they speak about it and the way that Jesus sees it is that that is not true. That actually God chooses all of those who follow. Right? Didn't have to do with the skill set or a likability factor or how many things you accomplished or you didn't accomplish. It had, to, it had to do with the fact that the eyes of love noticed you. I love the way he works that, the eyes of love. Right? I often uh, try to help people to kind of grasp how you understand or how you see your relationship with God. And I think that oftentimes we don't, we don't often see our relationship as a beginning point that you were chosen. It's, it's a challenging thing. So one of the, the spiritual practice or the spiritual director parts of me asks this question. If you, if, if, you, if you want to get at what you really believe to be true about God, imagine this. Imagine that you go to Starbucks or Tim's, whatever, you know, whoever you are. You know, you know, there's like discrepancy between those two groups and judgment and all kinds of things, right? But anyways, imagine that you're sitting there in your favorite coffee shop and Jesus walks in and Jesus sits down with you across the table from you and it's just you and Jesus sitting there. And here's the question. What would he be thinking? What would he be thinking? Ask yourself that question. It's going to reveal how you understand the nature of your relationship with God. How many of you would, would immediately think of what you'd be thinking? I'd be thinking this, right? Oh, man, 
I did this wrong, I did this wrong, I'm not enough in this area, I wish I had more, more of grace to extend to people, and dang it, I'm not wearing my mask. And, like, oh good, some people are still laughing under their masks. Think about that for a second. What would he be thinking? The immediate question is, what would we be thinking? But actually, that's not the question. What would he be thinking? That reveals the heart of Jesus for you and for me when we really look at that. And what he would be probably thinking is, I am so grateful to be here in this space with you today. Think about that for a second. Actually, the creator of the universe would be grateful to be spending time with you. There's something profound about that when we see it that way. The compelling truth of the story of God is actually that God does call us unto himself, that he does choose us, and he calls us together to be the fellowship of believers, that he does that quite intentionally. And here's where it gets really, really interesting. He does not just call you and I towards himself, but he calls you and I towards each other. He calls us towards each other. And he calls us towards each other because he knows that, that you are designed actually to do life with others. That, that actually was out of this beautiful story that we read in Genesis, right? And it says that, that the, the creator hovered over the nothingness and said, let, get this, us create. That the community of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, were there, and it was out of their infinite love for each other that they began to create. And then that story goes on. It says you're created in his image, in his likeness, with his characteristics, and I've said this over and over. If you're created with his, in his image, with his likeness and his characteristics, then you are also created as he is for community. For each other. And so, so when Jesus calls these fellowship of believers together under himself, he's not just calling them to himself. He's calling them to each other. There is an important part of this story, right? Where he calls us together because he knew that we were designed for it. Now listen, I'm a people person. Okay, I'm a people person. Uh, I really do like people. Mostly. Okay. Here are the kind of people that I mostly like. Okay? I, I mostly like people uh, that agree with me. I, I, and anyone who's been around me knows, I mostly like people that think I'm funny. My wife always says that. If you want Evan to like you, just, just laugh at his jokes. He, he likes that, right? I'm that shallow. Okay, I like people that are funny. I like people who encourage me. I like people who follow the same Jesus that I do. I like people who think the same as I do. I like all of those things real, right? You think I just like everybody at the church. Oh, good. You're catching that sarcasm? Right? That, that actually we, we really, really want to be around the people we really, really like. But that actually isn't a part of the story of what Jesus was 
was drawing these people towards. Actually, what he was drawing them to was towards himself and towards each other, and there was actually a really, really important part of having a difference of opinion, of seeing things quite differently on, on many different things, right? He calls us to be together, to be unified together. Because he knows that it is actually the human condition that there will be tension there. And we've talked about this at Lakeridge before, that it's actually in those moments of tension in our life and our story where God is, is actually probably doing more in us than in the places of just peace and comfort. And, 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 and so it's, it's a tricky thing as we try to balance that out, to recognize that actually we were, we were made to desire comfort, weren't we? To be comfortable. And yet it's in the tension and in the interaction with each other, people who are different than us, that we, that we actually are grown and we get to see something quite different. Right? Jesus calls us together, of course, because he knew we were stronger together, but he actually calls us together because they needed and we needed the reminder to think of others in our story. Right? To, to remind us, right, my list of things I like when people think I'm funny, me, me, I, I, it was quite an intentional statement. That somehow I was measuring on what kind of quality of community I was in based on who agrees with me and who doesn't agree with me. And yet, and yet that is not actually the story. That, that actually should remind us that I'm living out, that you and I maybe were living out a narrative of me. A me narrative. I don't know if that's real, but and not a us narrative, right? The me narrative is not the narrative that God has created for us in this place. The reality is that doing life together is actually quite hard sometimes because it challenges us to see different perspectives. It actually, cha actually challenges us to see other people's needs, and those other needs are different. They're different. You might not need a food hamper this Christmas, that doesn't mean that there isn't a need in our community. And as we come together as a fellowship of believers, as we come together, right, it's actually important that we begin to see the needs of others around us. It's part of how we become more fully a part of the story of God. It's actually also how we begin to learn how to trust. And when we make Jesus at the center of that thing, that's the key. How do we make Jesus the center of what was happening and is happening? And so we see this story of these brand new first century church people. Jesus has, has come and he's been present. He's gathered his disciples around. He's done some of that stuff, right? He, he, he's, he's been crucified. He's risen from the dead. He's ascended up into heaven. And, and here is left the fellowship of believers. Here is left this community that we read in Acts 2 that I was reading earlier today. And they, they began to do the things that they knew how to do. They started devoting themselves to the apostles' teacher, the, the apostles' teaching. These guys who had hung out with Jesus on a regular basis made sense. Right? Made sense. They ate together. Food, mysterious things happen around food. I don't know if you guys have caught that. Mysterious things happen around food. Crazy stories get told around food. 
right? Some, some of the best gut laughs I have ever had in my life have been sitting around eating with people. Especially when you eat with somebody from another culture, this is super fun. You eat with somebody from another culture and they serve you up something that's particularly spicy. Right? Has anybody been there? And you're like trying to be, trying to be like grateful, but you're like on fire. And probably your face, at least from here up, is telling that story. Right? I, I remember I, I actually got to eat with an Ethiopian family this is some years ago, and they were served up in Jera, which is the, the traditional meal uh, of Ethiopians. And it's, it's kind of a cool meal. I won't get into describing it. But, but there, let's just say, there's some, there's some hot stuff on those, on those things. And, uh, and I got into something pretty hot and ate this thing. I was trying to be really, like, calm and cool, but that there was no cool happening. And I eventually ended up having to like ask if I could be dismissed for a second. I just went in the bathroom. I was like, ah! So I was, it was so much fire, right? Crazy things. Like sometimes when we eat together, it gets so uncomfortable that we want to, like, we need to flee the gathering. Because it can be that kind of like challenging, right? So, so here are these people, they get together, they eat together, they share their belongings. Some of them compelled to sell some of their properties in order to care for, get this, the needs of others. Right? So there's this generosity that begins to like flow out of them as a result of meeting together under this person of Jesus and fellowship with believers. And they were perfect at it, weren't they? took three chapters in Acts before things started to come apart. Three chapters before things started to get hard to be together in the same room, even under Jesus. So if we think that we're going to be able to come into this place, we're all going to be just you know, rainbows and butterflies, not even the early church of Acts could do it. Requires a discipline to, to choose daily to be a part of the fellowship of, believer, of believers. Took them three chapters before things start in writing start to show up. Following Jesus together is hard. It is. And it's also the best life that I believe can be lived. And, and here's a couple of reasons why. So, so later on, we see in Paul's writings, he, has some, he, he writes several letters, and, and one of those letters is to a church in Ephesus, one is, is in, to the region of Galatia, and, and, and we see Paul starting to address some challenges that are taking place in those particular places of the chosen. There's these little house churches for the most part, and they were gathering there. And, 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 and one of the things that begins to happen is that people start to get this to like experience the life-transforming work of Jesus in their individual lives. And so the, the house churches start to grow. They start to grow. Lakeridge is an example of that, right? It was like 10 of us when we first started. Just start to grow, start to grow. Right? And for each one of us as we grew, and each one of these people as they grew, 
they experienced the Holy Spirit differently in their life and story. And yet here they were in these house churches together. All right, each of them, and maybe each of you, your journey to God has been different. Maybe they're still very much on it. And that's okay. That's okay. We have different experiences that, that have brought us to a place of faith. We, we have uh, different questions that we've asked. Just imagine that. All the people in this room, each one of you has asked different questions of God that have grown you. Some of you haven't gotten the answers to the questions that you're asking. And even that has grown you. What I'm trying to get at is the diversity of the ways in which this mysterious Holy Spirit interacts with people is broad and wide. And so the Paul ends up writing, and he, he has to address these things quite a bit. And, and one of the places where he does address it is that he's got all these different kinds of people showing up at, the, at these, these churches. Right? There was Jews and Gentiles there. And, and that might not seem like a big deal to you and I today, but basically, these were people who were on opposite sides of life. Opposite sides of life. And faith and practice. They understood things, simple things like food differently. They understood a lot of things differently. They understood business differently. They understood family differently. They understood sex differently. They understood just about everything that you could possibly imagine differently. And then you add into these bit mix, right, that, that there were people who owned slaves there. And there were slaves there, which seems like the definition of an awkward family meal, doesn't it? The way in which, right, these, these early church followers, these early people lived and understood the sexes, was that men were higher and more important than women were. And yet the women were there. And get this, they let them talk. And there was tension. See, see coming towards Jesus, because you've experienced a life-transforming something in your interaction with Jesus, does not mean that everything is just going to be easy. And so Paul ends up writing Lots of things about this, but one of the places he says in, in Galatians 3, he basically says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For all are one in Christ. All are one in Christ. Who's writing these words? real people in a real context and these real people in their real context were experiencing the love of Jesus in their life and they were trying to love the other and I, I think that that's important for us to remember and to be reminded that there is beauty in diversity particular when Jesus is at the center of those things. All right, let's wrap up. A little bit of a challenge here, okay? One of our values at Lake Ridge is story. We divine, define that value by saying that we believe that the Bible is the story of God and his people and that he is still writing that story. Okay? You hear that? 
that last little tag I really want everybody to hear, that he is still writing that story. These people in the scripture were not all that different than these people in this room trying to figure this out. Okay? One of the things that we talk about at Lakers then is that therefore, because we believe that, that we want to value people's stories. We want to value people's stories because these, these stories that you have, this you, we want to hold that with some kind of sense of sacredness. Because when we hold your story, when you hold my story with a sense of sacredness, you are actually identifying that something holy has happened in me and that you want to hear about it. Right? Because the my story are the places where I have experienced God. And your stories are the places where you have experienced God. And that is holy. Fellowship of believers, you see, brings us together so that, so that we get to see just how large and how wide God's love is. That he would mysteriously interact with me in this way. And that he would mysteriously interact with you in your way. And when I listen to your story, when I hear that, it expands how big God is. Actually, listening to other people's story isn't just about getting them to feel like they feel like they belong here. It's actually about growing you and your understanding of just how big God is. He's that big. And so when we can begin to do that, when we can begin to listen to each other's story, with some sense of sacredness, we get to experience the life-transforming work of God growing and expanding us. Now, it means sometimes we've got to fight the urge to judge. Or to go, oh, it's not my experience. It's not real. Right? It gives us a chance to see the large breadth of God's Holy Spirit and how it works. All right. Real quick. We are really good around here, so I'm going to just end with the challenge here. Here it is. I think one of the things that Lakeridge is quite good at, and we get told about this often, is that this is a place of hospitality. That people feel that they can come in the doors and be themselves on a Sunday morning. And I hope that that never changes. I think that one of the things we're really good at in doing that is that we often ask people, how was your week? How are things? Right? And I think that that's a really good question, and I want us to keep asking that question. Our early church fathers in the covenant, they also asked other questions that they added on top of that. And one of those questions was simply this. How is your walk? How is your walk? And the implied question was really, how are you doing in your faith journey? And, and if we're going to ask a question, I want to challenge you to say, how is your week and how is your walk? That's what I'm trying to say to you. Could we begin to add this extra question? Could we begin to take even maybe a little bit of concern for, for the spiritual well-being of each other around us? This is not just Pastor Preston's job. <laughs> or my job. This is our job. This is the fellowship of believers. This is what actually makes our God compelling to others is when we began to love each other in this way. When we make Jesus the center of our story, and the center of our Lake Ridge, we have the opportunity to 
understand just how big God is. And I want that for Lakeridge. I want that for the city. I believe the city needs it. That's what I'm drawn towards these days. What does it look like for us to begin to ask each other how each other's walk went, as well as how our week went? And get this. In the true spirit of authenticity, if you get asked that question, I would suggest telling the truth. Christians, guys, we're not all that good at telling the truth all the time. We're scared of the answers, I think, and so sometimes we just say, oh, I'm good, I'm good. A little struggle, a little struggle, but I'm going, mostly I'm good. But we want to be the fellowship of believers, we've got to be truth tellers. And that starts here with us. It starts with us telling the truth. We do that. We keep Jesus at the center of our story. We tell the truth to each other about how we're really doing and how we're really going. We're going to change this place. Fellowship of believers drawn together under Christ so that we might be able to see how large this God is. We might be a movement that changes this city. And the city's in pain. We're in pain. We need this. Right? So like Nell said, you know, pandemic hits and what's left? Prayer. We call on God to cry out. Fellowship of believers crying out together to a God who listens and has probably been standing there the whole time. Amen? Let's be that. We can do that. We can do that. Let me pray. God, thank you so much that you are a God who has never forsaken us and never left us. Thank you that, God, even though in the midst of our me narrative, sometimes we cry out, where are you? Only to find that you're standing right next to us and within it all along. God, may you be the kind of God who draws us together in a mysterious and miraculous way that we might be able to both experience you, but experience each other and understand just how big you are and how much you love this place and love us. God, would you give us wisdom as a church that we might be able to figure out the ways that we can live through this tension and bring and be your peaceful hands to heal this place. pray for these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand and receive the benediction? Sorry, it went a little bit longer, but it's okay. You know what? I love you. And it's not because you think I'm funny. That was apparent this morning. Okay. It's because of who you are and how you've chosen to live your life. Please don't stop. Let's figure out how to do this together. Amen? So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace as we go together to love this city and love this place and love each other. Amen? Amen. God bless and, and thank you so much for coming.